home for Christmas, and uh, we're going to continue along that line today, but I gave this little disclaimer last week, so I'm going to give it again today, because I'm going to use specifically one example from my own life today. But look, I realize that not everybody has a good um, connection, history, experience when we talk about home. Um, and, And so even as we're talking about home for Christmas, if that applies to you, and maybe you don't have the fondest of memories from your childhood or from Christmas time or maybe the family experience, what I would encourage you to do is to think of it in light of going to your best friend's house. How many of you know like your best friend's house is like an extension of your house? You know that, right? Because if it's not, they're not your best friend, <laughs> right? If your best friend comes to your house, they sit in your spot on the couch and you're like, what are you doing? And they're like, this is my spot. And you're like, no, this is my spot. And then you catch them in your fridge. You're like, what are you doing? They, they make themselves at home, right? That's how you know you're really good friends. Like when you don't ask anymore, you just go get. (laughs) That's how you know you're good friends. And so even in light of the message today, and and I'm not going to spend a ton of time uh, because of of the really what I have to to, in my heart to communicate with you today. uh, The message or the title for today uh, is really uh, is home is a place to recharge. Last week was home is a place to uh, to uh, to rest or to recover. It's just a, and really, ultimately, it's about being accepted. Is that Jesus came so that we could be accepted? Is that we're not outsiders anymore? Jesus came so that we could belong. And so, if you weren't here last week, jump online, listen to the message; it'll bless you. And so, but today I want to uh, jump in, and so that, uh, and so we're taking elements of home. Things that, you know, as I think back about my growing up life or even me going back home now. And last week I shared about there's certain characteristics about my parents' home that are just make it my parents' house. You know, I shared with you about my mom's collection of nutcrackers and they have to be working nutcrackers. And I know I'm at my mom's house because I see them everywhere, right? I mean, you drive up and they're out front, you know, and that's just the beginning. <laughs> you know, it only gets worse once you get inside. And, uh, you know, and, and so... But there are certain elements of that, and this is true for all of us. And so last week we talked about that, about really belonging and being accepted, being able to drop your guard and just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're on, on guard all the time, when you got your perfect little mask on and you're trying to play the roles for everybody, when you get around your family, you can just be you and there's no pressure. That's an element of home. You know, and so today I want to share with you really about home being a place that we recharge or another way to say this is recover. You know, we all need a place to just catch our breath. And this is what home is really all about. And when we're talking about home for the holidays and why Jesus came, he came so that what? That we could actually experience the presence of God, that it could, what, help us recover from the effects of life. Because life comes at us quick. And if we're not careful, we will just kind of get in a mode of just trying to survive and just trying to make it through when that's not who we're called to be. Jesus didn't die so that we could survive until we got to heaven. The Bible says that he came so that we could be what? More than conquerors in Christ. Now that's key. We're not just more than conquerors. We got to be in Christ. In other words, by Christ, we can overcome everything that comes our way. Well, how many of you know that even soldiers get tired? And we have to 
find a space and a place to recover. And so, you know, you know, when we're one of the elements that I, I would share with you about this, and I didn't understand it at the time, and now I kind of do, but I remember when I have two older sisters, and so one of my sisters had two boys, and um, and has two boys, and uh, but I remember every time we would get together as a family, it didn't like we'd eat lunch or do whatever because you know, with family you eat right, at least in the South we do, and. Uh, It's like, who's going to be there and what are we going to eat? Those are the two questions that are important to know. And, uh, you know, but I can remember, like, we'd get together and it didn't take, I'd say, maybe an hour after we'd finished eating. My sister is laid out on the couch, like taking up a whole couch by herself. You know, she's my height. And uh, so she took up the whole couch, didn't care. She's out cold. Like, kids, who cares? (laughs) Like, we're at mama and daddy's house. Y'all can take care of it. Like, y'all play with them. I've been doing it all week. And I didn't quite understand why she was so tired all the time. And now that I have two little blessings of my own, I get it. Any moms in the house understand? You're like, hey, I'm there. I slept like two hours last night. Praise God. I'm good to be vertical, you know. I mean, you know, but there's something about being home. and, And just as, and even though, like what I was just sharing there about my sister, one of the things that is unique about being home is this, little truth is that when you go home, things are taken care of for you. Like when I go to my mom's house, I don't have to think about lunch. She got it. I don't have to think about the kids. She got it. I'm like, where are the kids? They were mom. They were dad. Great. Perfect. <laughs> y'all, y'all have your time. That's all. And so one of the elements of being home is just that is that it allows you to kind of maybe let go of some responsibilities for a few moments so you can catch your breath. This is an element that we see in home. And, 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 and the reality of it is, is that God has created a space for us to come like home to recharge, to recover. And it's important that you go to the right place to recover. Like you ever gone on vacation and come home and you're like, I think I'm more tired. Like that's something that I'm currently trying to learn. Like I got convicted, me and Derek took the kids on a quick little trip just a couple of weeks ago. And I got convicted by this statement that a, a, a pastor friend of mine posted and it hit me really hard. And it says, if the speed of your vacation is the speed of your normal life, it's not a vacation. I was like, dang it. Cause I want to do stuff. I want to, you know, I don't want to sit around. I, I got, there's stuff to be done, you know? And the Lord is teaching me to slow down. <laughs> I don't want to, I want to go do, but you know, and why? Because I have to recover, you know, through the hurricanes and all of the things that we were involved with over those first two months, two and a half months, it was kind of like a sprint. And I didn't realize how tired that I actually was until I stopped. And then I felt it and I was like, whoo, <laughs> like I am exhausted and I wasn't even aware of it. And many times, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's not even physical. You can be getting enough sleep. You can be doing what you need to do, but you can be exalted, exhausted mentally. You can be exhausted spiritually. And what happens when those moments come is that you become susceptible to the work of the enemy. This is what I'll tell you. We are at our worst when we're tired. We will make our worst decisions when we're tired. 
We have core values. We have convictions. We have things that we're adamant about in our life. We have, you know, that we would never do normally. But then we get tired and we start making decisions that we would never make. Why? Because what happens is many times we will turn to the wrong things to recover. And yet God has created a space and a place for us specifically to come to him to recover our life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. This is actually the life and part of the reason that Jesus came is so that we could have this place. Because before Jesus, this was not available. Everybody knew God from a distance, not up close. And so in Matthew chapter 11, and this is kind of the main context uh, main subject verse verses here that I, we're going to kind of be in and out of today. But in verse 28, and I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. It says, are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? He says, then come to me. He didn't say he would come get you. That's an important element. He says, if you're tired or if you're carrying a heavy burden, come to me. In other words, you got to stop and you've got to look to him. I mean, the Lord's not going to come and tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, you need a nap. That that ain't going to happen. He says, come. In other words, decide to come away with me. We see this in the life of Jesus repeatedly over and over and over. He was with the people and he would withdraw. He would come away. He would, what, go away and pray. He would go away and spend time with, with, with his father, even at night, so that what? So he could go back out and be a blessing to people. And so many times, we will be so mindful of other people and helping other people that we forget to take care of us, right? And sometimes the Lord will have to kind of give you a nudge and be like, hey, you're, you're running a little too hard. You're running a little too fast. And what's he saying? You need to come spend some time because here's what I have found. I don't have to spend hours with the Lord for him to do hours worth of work. Sometimes it's moments. And it is like a breath, a breath of fresh air. It's like a shot of adrenaline into my soul. And I, I come alive and it's like, oh, whoa, well, what is that? That's the presence of God. The Bible says that um, the same power that raised Christ from the dead would what? Strengthen my physical body. Well, the same is true for you. And he says here, if you're tired or you're weary, come to me. He says, and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Jesus was pretty direct here. I will refresh your life when you come. When you come away, when you step aside, come away with me. And so this is important why, that we understand this. And so I want to give you an example from scripture of somebody who needed this more than they realized. And it actually comes out of 1 Kings chapter 19. This is the story of Elijah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. Things were very different than they are today. But a prophet was uh, really the mouthpiece for God. When a prophet would stand up and speak, he wasn't just speaking for himself. He would speak for God to the nation of Israel. 
So he's pretty important because people couldn't hear the voice of God. They didn't understand God. They really had no way of connecting or or even having uh, anything happening. It was just outward expression of their belief in God. But we see in, in 1 Kings chapter 19 that Elijah is running for his life. And yet we can kind of ask the question, if Elijah's a prophet, he's like the man, if you will, the man of God, the man of power. I mean, he's done all these amazing miracles. Like, why is he afraid and why is he running? So I want to backtrack just a couple of chapters. And I'm going to just give you an overview of chapter 17 and chapter 18 so that we can understand the context of what's happening. So in chapter 17 of first Kings, it says this is that there was a drought that had hit the land and Elijah. Now think about this. He, he told the people this, there won't be a drop of rain until I pray. He got some confidence. Like, look, there's a drought, but ain't no water coming until I say so. And guess what happened? A drought came and no water came. So what happens when there's no water and there's a drought? Food becomes scarce. And then God tells him, hey, I want you to go down here by this brook. I'm going to send birds to feed you every day. So Elijah's down there chilling by the brook, which how'd he find water? In the midst of a drought because God told him where to go. Now, there's an interesting thing, and I can't remember exactly which translation it is, but we see it twice in this passage in chapter 17, is that God made the statement, says, I have commanded provision for you there. There. Not anywhere, there. See, God has a place of provision for us, but it's there. It's not where we want always. It's where he determines and where he decides. But there is provision if we'll go there. So whatever we have need of, God has provision. We just got to go to where he says. And it's important that we listen to the Lord. And what happens right in the middle of the story is that the brook dries up. And Elijah's probably thinking if he's like us, God, I thought you said you were going to provide. Well, I have provided. Now I'm telling you to go to a widow's house and I will provide for you there. Now you can go read the story because it's an interesting story because he's the man of God and he goes and tells the widow, he says, hey, you know, can I get a cup of water? She says, sure. He says, hey, why don't you make me a cake? And she says, hey, we're about to eat our last meal and we're about to die. And he says, hey, make mine first. I just put it in modern context. Can you imagine if I did that? Go to a widow lady and said, hey, I need a pancake. She's like, I'm about to make one pancake for me and my son. That's okay. Give me mine first. Headline news. Pastor steals from widow, you know, I mean, it would be bad. I mean, I'd be on the news. I didn't mean to take, you know, and uh, so, but what happens and it's exactly what he told her. He says, if you will honor the Lord, there will be enough flour and oil to sustain you and your family during the drought. But it took an act of obedience. It took an act of faith. But when she did that, guess what? Not only was Elijah provided for, her and her household were provided for. But so really, you can look at it this way. And this is just a challenge for us. Is that many times our obedience to the Lord actually impacts other people. Because what would have happened to the widow had Elijah not come? Her and her family would have eaten their last cake and they would have died. So our obedience always impacts other people. Always. So like when the Lord 
tells us to do something, we have to understand that he's not just saying any instruction just for us. He's looking at it because he knows it impacts other people as well. And so we have to understand this. And so we see this. And so not only that, the widow's son dies and Elijah goes and raises him from the dead. It's pretty awesome. He says, it's not going to rain until I pray. It doesn't rain. God miraculously provides for him. He raises somebody from the dead. I mean, this guy's got a rap sheet, like a good one. Like he's getting some things lined up. And in chapter 18, it's the showdown against the prophets of Baal. and, And there's 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. And he challenges them to a duel and says, let's just see whose God is God. Israel, you're going to decide today. Which one? Why, why, why are you going between two opinions here? Either God is God or Baal is God, but let's just put it to the test. So all day, the prophets of Baal are trying to literally rain down fire from heaven. That was their prayer. The Bible says they scream louder. They cut themselves, did all kinds of crazy stuff. Elijah mocks him, which is why I like Elijah. You know, he kind of makes fun of him. He's like, hey, maybe you're not loud enough. Maybe you should be louder. Maybe your God's on the toilet. He actually says that. I'm like, I like this guy. He's my kind of guy. And then at the end of the day, he says, you know, hey, can I have my turn? He goes and rebuilds the altar, tells him to pour three gallons of water on it, fills up the trough. He, they dig a trench. Like, I want to make sure that there's no question about who's God. And then he prays this real simple prayer and just says, God, would you show up? Would you prove that you're God? Fire from heaven comes. The nation of Israel decides the right choice. Oh, he must be God. (laughs) What was your first clue? The big fireball that came through. (laughs) It might have something to do with that. And so right on the heels of this, like the very next morning, we have King Ahab, who the prophets of Baal worked for. He was king. He had a, a wife, Jezebel. So he comes home and he says, Jezebel, you're not going to believe what Elijah has done. He's killed all 450 of your prophets. He, he's, he's done all these things and he made a mockery of us and all this stuff. Well, if you understand the personalities, Ahab was a figurehead and Jezebel was really calling all the shots. That's really, and you see it throughout scripture multiple times with her that she's really the one doing everything. And here in first Kings chapter 19, starting in verse one, it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you as you have killed them. And Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. One woman sent a message to Elijah and it says that he was afraid and fled. Now think about this. Elijah, the same guy that just took on 850 prophets the day before, had already raised somebody from the dead, had already seen miraculous provision from God. God had already led him to where he needed to go. All of that was in the rearview mirror and like just in the recent history, And that quick, one person said one thing that totally freaked him out. And it says that he was afraid and began to run. He began to run for his life. 
Why? One of the reasons I believe is that I think Elijah was tired. Think about it. He's been in a drought. The Lord's provided, given food, sure. The day before, he was with them all day long. He was tired. You know, Snickers, you're not yourself when you're hungry, right? Which is true. I love those commercials when they had those big guys and they were like, you know, all of a sudden they were Betty White. <laughs> and they're like, you're not yourself. But the reality is, is that you're not yourself when you're tired. And Elijah was not himself in this moment. See, many times we can find ourselves in the most discouraged or the most in danger right after a big victory. Right after that breakthrough that we get, right after that thing that we've been believing God for, right after that, that promotion that we've been waiting on and, and all these things, and we kind of let our guard down a little bit. Why? Because we're tired from the battle, but that's when the enemy will come. And we need to be aware. And, and why? Because it's when we're tired, we got to know where to go. Vegging out on the couch ain't a great place. Why? Because you're kicking it into neutral and the devil wants to play. And that's exactly what he's doing here with Elijah. It goes on in verse four. So Elijah runs for his life and it says, then he went alone into the wilderness. That's another thing you shouldn't do when you're tired. Don't get alone. I mean, I understand you. It's one thing to have some alone time, but I'm saying an extended, don't isolate from people. It says, he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat underneath a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Lord, don't let her kill me. Just, just take me. Just let me die right here. This is really what he prays. He says, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life for I am uh, no better than my ancestors who have already died. And he laid down and he went to sleep. You really want to know what I think happened to Elijah here? I think he's depressed. He's tired. He's got thoughts running. He's like, Lord, just kill me. Now, this is the same guy who raised somebody from the dead. Like not that, probably a few days prior. And now he's praying that the Lord would kill him. See, even after all that God had done, he still got overwhelmed. See, and I don't care how strong you are, you'll have a bad day. You're going to have a day where you're just overwhelmed, where you're tired, where you're tapped out, where you're done, you're over the edge, and you need a place to come and recover. This is what Elijah needed. I mean, Elijah's a great man of God, man of faith and power and mighty works and all these things, and yet here he finds himself in desperation. In verse 5, it says, As he was sleeping, an angel came and touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on a hot stone and a jar of water. It says he ate it and drank and he laid down again. He's pretty tired. He's pretty exhausted. He's, he's just spent. It goes on and it says, and the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more food for the journey ahead will be too much for you. Why do we need to get away from God? Because, or get away with God? Because he knows what's coming. And he will give us strength for the journey when we don't even know what's around the next turn. This is the brilliance of God and why we can trust him. Because he sees what we cannot. 
And even, and that's why we need to pull away and that's why we need to rest. We need to, in resting in the right way, it's not just more sleep. I don't know about you, but I know in my, for me personally, I can sleep too much. And then I'm just kind of groggy all day and I don't like that feeling. So I'm like, I got I got this window of time to sleep and then I need to get up. Because if not, I'm not going to be very productive today. I'm not going to feel in the right space. And so I got to know those things, right? But yet here, the instruction says, eat some food for the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, God will call us to do things that we can't do. The journey ahead is too much for you. Unless you take a break. And you eat and you, you take some of what God has for you. And so it says that he got up and he ate and he drank the food and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. So he eats this food and he goes for 40 days. And the Bible, one translation says it's like that he went for 40 days in the strength or the ability of that one meal. That's why I say God doesn't have to feed you every day necessarily. I mean, you don't need these moments like these real pivotal moments. Hopefully you don't live in crisis mode every day. But we do have crisis moments and they're defining moments. But where are we gonna turn and who are we gonna look to for the strength? Now, the end of the story is that Elijah actually goes and prays for rain. And then it comes. He outruns the chariot of the king back home. Well, what happened to the guy who was so exhausted? All he could do is eat and go back to sleep. All is now what he has found his place to recover. God was the provision and now he's outrunning horses. Now that's not physically possible unless the Lord's involved. And then God will work. God can move. So let's jump back into Matthew chapter 11 where we started this morning. In verse 29, I'm gonna read just the first portion out of the New Living Translation. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, this is a really a, an agricultural term. It's a yoke, so it's a, a wooden implement that would go up across the shoulders of two animals, two bulls. That they would sink them together so that they could pull a plow together. Because they're much stronger together than they would be by themselves. But the thing that we have to understand is that even the metaphor that Jesus is using here is much more than just talking about two animals working together. It's actually about a connection with Christ and a partnership with him that he's calling us into. In other words, how can we get, if we're tired and we're weary, how do we get rest? We have to come back to him. You know, it's like what we were singing earlier, one of those worship songs. From you comes all things. From him to us comes everything that we need. But we've got to be willing to pull away. We've got to be willing to to back up a little bit. The message translation here uh, of verse 29 and 30 says this. It says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now in verse 28, he just asked, are you tired? Are you weary? 
Hey, if you'll come learn, I'll teach you how to live freely and lightly. I'll live you how to not live an overburdened life. Doesn't mean that circumstances don't come. What it means is that they're just not gonna drag me down. I'm gonna live in a place and it's not that I ignore my circumstances. That's not what I'm saying at all. So please don't hear that. What I am saying though is that even in spite of circumstances, in spite of situations, in spite of my emotions, in spite of my thoughts, I have a place, you have a place where we can go to recover, to, to catch our breath. Just like I told you about my sister, we need a place to go and relax so that God can come in. And sometimes it's a minute because that's what you got. Sometimes it's sitting at the red light before it turns green. And it's just like, Lord, I need you to refresh me right now. I am tired. I'm worn out. Mentally, emotionally, I'm on edge. I'm snapping at people. I can see it. You know, our emotions are just signals, right? Our emotions are, it's, it's really our soul, our, our, and not, not always, but it can be our soul. Sometimes it's just our flesh. <laughs> so you do have to determine the difference. But sometimes our emotions, they're signs showing us, hey, you got to take a break here. Why am I so frazzled? Why am I on edge? Because you haven't recovered. You ever like had the, 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 the air knocked out of you? And you're like, <gasps> you know what I'm talking about? It's the worst feeling. I hate it. Thankfully, it hasn't happened in a long time. I hope it never happens again. But you get these little short breaths or maybe you've got something going on in your lungs, you know, whatever, bronchitis, and you can't get like a full deep breath. And so you get all these little, <gasps> how many of you know that's not very satisfying? And sometimes just, just, well, just, like physically you can do that, which there's even, you know, medically they tell you, why is that good? Like, you know, when you yawn, you know, that's actually your body saying, I need more oxygen to my brain. And so it forces you to breathe in deep to get oxygen. Well, if your body does that, do you think your spirit does that? And Jesus here is saying, come away and be with me. And again, I don't mean like, I got to go on a week retreat out in the desert and walk and see if I can find Jesus out in the desert. I've got good news for you. You don't have to go to the desert to find Jesus. He's in you. <laughs> but we just got to stop and acknowledge him. Now, I know people will say things like, but don't you care about this? And don't you care about that? Yes, I do care about it. I'm just trusting the Lord with it. I'm not going to take the weight and the responsibility of things that I can't change. But I am going to trust the Lord. Why? Because he can. And even if the circumstances don't change, he will give me grace to walk through it. His ability to walk through it. So as I'm wrapping up today, here's my question. Here's my, my big question for you today. My one big idea, big thought for you. is What are you stressing about today? What are you overly burdened with right now? Like what responsibilities have you taken on that the Lord has not designed you to carry. 
This is something a few weeks ago that I really kind of had a, what I would consider like a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting with myself and the Lord. And what I began to realize in my own life and in my own heart is that I was taking responsibility for things that God had never asked me to. And when I say taking responsibility, I mean taking ownership of it. Like this, like I am ultimately responsible to make sure this, this, and this happens. And it was robbing my joy. And I needed a little word from the Lord to say, that's not yours, it's mine. Now I'll tell you one of the areas, this church. So it's easy for me to take on the responsibility, the ownership. I have to do this. I have to make this happen. I have to do these things. And the Lord's like, it's not yours, David. It's my church. You're just managing it. But through the storms and through all the things that we were experiencing, I had began to allow a lot of the weights and I was, you know, I'm going to man up. I'm going to power through it. I'm going to do what I do. I'm a leader. I lead, right? And there's a time and a place for that, I believe. But there's another thing when you begin to take on ownership of things that God says, that's not yours. That's mine. And if we're going to live freely and we're going to live lightly, we got to own the things that we should own and we need to let the Lord own the things that he should own. Because we get overly stressed, which leads us to becoming overly tired. Why? Because we begin to take ownership of something that really belongs to the Lord. Let me just give you an example of this. You may have a child who is not walking with the Lord. Maybe they're not doing everything the way that you taught them to do it. Let me just help somebody this morning. It's not your fault. You have to entrust them to the Lord. You have to stand upon the word of God that says that when you sow seeds when they are young, when they are old, they will not depart. But if you're not careful, the enemy will come in because you're tired, because you're exhausted, and he will begin to speak lies into your ears and you will take on ownership like, oh, I mean, every time I talk to my, my child, I, I've got to, have, have you been to church lately? Have you, have you read your Bible lately? And what you're doing is you're actually forcing them away from the Lord instead of allowing the Lord to be the Lord. You know, I use this phrase sometimes is, is that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. I can't be God. I don't need to be God. I'd be a terrible God. Let me just free you. So would you. So the, all these things, man, that we're stressed about and we're worried about and all these things that are happening, relax. You're trying to carry a burden and it is draining you. But God has a place for you to come to, catch your breath, to recharge. First Peter chapter five, verse seven gives us the wisdom here. And it says that we're to pour out all of our worries and our stress upon him being God and leave them there. 
As human beings, we have a bad habit. We pray like, Lord, I need you, I need you, I need you. And it's like, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it back on my shoulders. No, (laughs) we pray, we leave it, and then we can live freely and lightly. But we got to leave it. We got to leave it with him. We have to trust him. God, but it doesn't look, it doesn't matter. I trust you. God, when is this going to happen? I've been praying for a while. When when am I going to see something? Just trust the Lord. He's God, we are not. When we try to play God, we get stressed. Overly stressed. Circumstances beyond our control, beyond our ability to fix things. The best thing that we can do is pray. When I talk about getting away with the Lord, what am I talking about? I mean to mentally refocus. Pray to the Lord. It doesn't mean like I need to physically change locations. It means that I need to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually change my focus. And say, Lord, you are the one who will sustain me. I need help. I need you. I don't need time off. I don't need another vacation. That's not what I need. What I need is, God, I need you. That's what I want. And when I, and in those moments... It's amazing how you can just get quiet for just a couple moments. Maybe it's a devotional time in the morning. Maybe it's just giving a moment of just quietness before the Lord. You know, if you're like me, some of you are, some of you aren't, but sometimes I can't hear the Lord because I talk too much. And sometimes the best thing I can do is just to get quiet. Like no music, no distractions, no nothing. Just sit and listen. And God will begin to speak to you. God will begin to drop things in your heart. And you're like, what do you mean speak to me? Like, like I'm going to hear it audibly? No. It's just a knowing in your heart many times. The, mo- the vast majority of the time, it's just like this. It's like, that didn't come from me. But it's the Lord speaking to your heart. And it's in those moments where we can catch our breath. It's in those moments where... We have nothing to worry about. Why? Because it's already been provided for. It's already been taken care of. He's already got it. We just need to take the moment, catch our breath, and just trust him to take care of what's weighing us down. This is my encouragement for you today. Come. Come. Jesus said, if you're tired, come to me. Come. doesn't have to be this big celebrated moment. Just come. Acknowledge your need for him. God, I, I don't have the joy that I used to have about serving you. Just acknowledge it. Like, Lord, would you, I mean, David prayed that. Would you, rejo- would you restore unto me the joy of my salvation? And he will. Why? Because he's a loving father. He's a good father. He wants to. So I want to pray over you this morning as we...